I'm so glad that you're joining me for this bonus content sermon on uh, Jonah, what we've been talking about. I told you in the sermon that I don't think the book of Jonah is really about the fish. That's not the point of the book, so we shouldn't get bogged down there. But it is so fascinating, isn't it? Like the fish thing is pretty fascinating. So I want to talk about it, and I want to just try to outline three different approaches to interpreting this book that I think are legitimate and hold some weight. Uh, I'll give you my bias right away. I told you in the sermon, I think Jonah's a true story. I'm going to tell you some of the reasons why I think that. That is my perspective, but there are a lot of other smart and faithful people who have concluded other things than that. So what I want to do is walk through these three different interpretive options that we have, uh, and I want to really encourage you to start forming your own theological perspective on this. One of the real unique things you will find as you study Jonah is that it is unique because Jesus talked about him. Uh, Jesus mentions in a few different places, in Matthew 12, in Matthew 16, in Luke 11, he refers to the sign of Jonah. He talks about the repentance of the Ninevites. Um, and so the story was obviously significant to Jesus, like it, it meant something to him. But if we understand the nature of rabbinical teaching, nothing that Jesus says definitively answers the question. Some suggest that it does, and that's why we only should believe it's literal, but I actually think that Jesus doesn't resolve everything, and we're still left with three kind of legitimate interpretations here. So, the first one is this. This is my favorite. Um, I think there's something we can learn from all of them, but this is my personal bias. This is a true story about a miracle. The fish thing was miraculous. What I mean by that is a miracle is when God intervenes in the natural world and bends the laws of the natural world to make something happen that furthers his purpose. We believe God does this occasionally. Uh, you know, we're, we're the people who believe that Jesus walked on the water, he fed the 5,000, he ro raised from the dead. So certainly he is capable of doing this thing with the fish. Now, I do think it's important that we say miracle uh, because there have been a, a handful of good-hearted believers who have tried to explain the story kind of through natural causes, like they've looked for examples of a, a time when someone has been swallowed by a whale and survived. I, I really don't think that's an option. I think this couldn't have happened without God's intervention. I've done a, just a little bit of study. I'm not a marine biologist, so forgive me if I get details wrong, but most whales are filter feeders, and what that means is the anatomy of their throat. They can't swallow large objects, so that, that likely is not the case, that it was like a humpback whale or something like that. Uh, it's possible it was a predatory whale, like a sperm whale that does eat larger things, but um, Jonah probably would not have lived very long inside the belly of a sperm whale. Uh, so there, there's no fish that can do this that we are aware of. So while it's an interesting discussion, like could this happen naturally, I, I think that what we have to say here is that the Bible is describing a miraculous thing, not a natural phenomenon. If we believe it is true, which I do, that's my bias, um, th then we don't have to rationally explain it because what we're believing is God himself intervened to make this happen. Uh, th that is the story here. That from time to time, God does miracles like this. Now, with miracles, I think we can go down the wrong road. Miracles are not just about God doing a magic trick, right? It's not just a demonstration of God's power, but it was a demonstration of God's power that furthered his agenda, and it was symbolic of something. 
And Jesus names it. He calls it the sign of Jonah. So Jonah was consumed by a whale for three days. And then when he was delivered from the whale, in his deliverance, the city of Nineveh was actually redeemed and reconciled to God. Jesus calls that the sign of Jonah. We see that that happened with Jesus, that Jesus was consumed by the grave for three days. And then when he was delivered from death, that all of us were redeemed and reconciled to God. So if we believe it was a true story, if we believe it's a miracle, really what we're saying is that God was orchestrating something, but it was a picture of something even bigger than what happened in the moment. And it's this picture that God is a redeeming God and that we like Nineveh need his redemption. And so he's orchestrating that through the life of Jonah. Now, one of the reasons I believe that's true is because if you look at the history surrounding this time, Jonah prophesied in a time when uh, Nineveh and the Assyrians were kind of on the decline and Israel was expanding a little bit. Now something happened and nobody exactly knows what it is where over the next few years, Assyria got their act together and they wound up becoming so powerful that they eventually wipe out the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, so we don't totally know what that is that, that made Assyria turn the corner. It very likely could have been this moment of repentance uh, where they, they stopped mistreating one another. They, they got a little bit more honest before God. And then God somehow used this resurgent Assyria to judge his people in the northern kingdom, which lines up with the fact that Jonah, looking at this, sees this as a potential uh, option. And, and he hates this idea that they would kind of come back and threaten his homeland. Uh, but God is actually interested in the redemption and interested in using Assyria in the, the kingdom of Israel at some point. So historically, it is plausible that something like this happened. And that is why the Assyrian Empire kind of had this resurgence. Um, but of course, that doesn't settle the debate because it's just plausible. There's maybe some other options here. And the second option is this, that possibly it's an allegory that it was written by Jonah to teach a point to the nation of Israel. Now, allegories are true in that they speak about true things, but they're not true in the sense that they actually happen. So think of the story Jesus tells of the prodigal son. Is there a truer story in all the world? I don't know. Um, but it, it wasn't true in the fact that it actually happened. It's just true in the sense that it's about how we wrestle with the love of God and with finding acceptance from our Heavenly Father. So it's absolutely true, but probably didn't happen. Some people want to put Jonah in that same category as absolutely true conceptually, but possibly didn't happen. And in that case, we would have to look at each element in the story as kind of an element of teaching. Uh, and it's not hard to piece that together, what he's talking about here. You think of Jonah, certainly he would represent the nation of Israel. His name means dove, which was the symbol of Israel. Uh, Jonah is selfish. He is resistant to the calling of God to be like a light to the nations around Israel. He's more concerned about his thing than he is about God's mission. Um, you look at Nineveh and the Assyrians, they certainly would represent kind of the unbelieving pagan world that God wanted to save the world through the nation of Israel. Uh, the whale thing, that probably represents the exile that at some point, because of Israel's disobedience, their unwillingness to participate in God's plan, God allowed them to be hauled off into exile uh, for a series of years. The temple was destroyed. And then after a time, he allows them to come back to the nation and rebuild 
rebuild the temple. And after that happens, redemption comes to the world through Jesus Christ. And so you see how that kind of lines up with the story of Jonah. And then there's this moment after the Ninevites repent uh, that Jonah is sitting in the shade of this vine that God has made grow. Uh, and then the vine dies and Jonah is so disgruntled about the death of this vine. Uh, and God says, should I not care more about the world than about this vine and about the shade? Um, and what's interesting about that is after Jesus lived and died and rose from the dead in 70 AD, the Romans actually wiped out the, the nation of Israel and destroyed the temple. And so uh, it, it could be that this plant represents the rebuilt temple that eventually God was going to also allow to be destroyed. And certainly that lines up with what Jesus experienced, that some of the Jewish leaders were more concerned about their temple, about preserving this little nation that they had, is like a, 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 a small part of the Roman Empire. They, they cared more about that than they cared about the redemption of the whole world or the redemption of the pagan world. And so when Jesus says, it's the sign of Jonah that I'm going to give you. We always think about Jesus died for three days and he rose from the dead, but he could be talking about the whole story. That, that is, it is this redemption of the whole world that comes through him that some in Israel did not welcome. So you can see how that allegorical interpretation still carries some weight with some folks because it just, it lines up so perfectly with what unfolded over the next 900 years. Now, the last one, this is kind of an outlier, but this is maybe a legitimate option. I just recently read this in some of my studies that some theologians speculate that Jonah actually died in this moment and then God raised him from the dead and then he went on this mission to Nineveh. And again, this would obviously be miraculous, but it would be in the category of Jonah being a true story, but it's based on the Old Testament idea that the deep is always associated with death. And so what Jonah is actually doing is describing in symbolic language with the fish and with descending into the deep, his own death. And then he's describing God raising him from the dead uh, so that he can deliver this message of repentance to Nineveh, which I, I think is interesting. I I don't know, it sounds plausible to me. It certainly is consistent with what Jesus said. Here's the point though. Here's where I think we have to land. This story is designed to teach us. That's why it was written. This Jonah wanted to teach the nation of Israel and the truths that it teaches are absolutely true. And I think what God is most concerned about when we read this story is not that we uh, get all the details right about what happened uh, in the life of Jonah, but that we allow those truths to impact our heart. Remember what I said in the Minor Prophets about the doctrine of divine accommodation when we introduced all the prophets we were going to study. And what it means is that God communicates in ways that we'll understand in our humanness and in our weakness. Now, the truths of the story of Jonah are pretty easy to grasp. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's this God who is slow to anger, who is quick to forgive who works for the redemption of the whole world, not just for the redemption of his people. And so it could be that God orchestrated this story to teach everyone a lesson. It could be that God inspired Jonah to write this story to teach every, everyone a lesson. I think the most important thing probably to God is that we hear the lesson, right? And that we let it sink into our hearts and affect us. Um, I've told you my opinion on this. 
what I want to encourage you to do is to not just believe me, but to actually study it for yourself. And wherever you land, as you are landing on what you think about this, this book in the Bible, uh, please don't miss this idea that we have this redeeming God who loves you very much and that he is slow to anger and that he is rich in mercy and that he is constantly interested in those people who are not yet a part of his kingdom. That's really what he's driving at here. That's the most important issue by far. My prayer is this though, that you'll enjoy studying this book. I think this sort of stuff is really fun. It's like an investigative research project that you get to do, uh, not for a grade or anything, but just for fun. So enjoy studying the book. And as you study it, my prayer is that you'll meet God in the pages of Jonah. Thanks for joining me. I really love you people.